We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I'm here. Cooley is here. We will preview Washington Green Bay. We'll pick the game today. I've got smell test picks coming up, including a ton of NFL games uh, on the smell test this week, which started Cooley last night with me giving out the Saints plus the points. And uh, it didn't work out. It's really tough to have a team uh, that is rolling and up 14-6 to with two minutes to go in the half and threatening to score more points. And then within a 60-second period, they threw, t- they, they threw two pick sixes. And I don't really think either one of them was Dalton's fault. The second one was his fault. He gets hit, but because of the pressure, he doesn't see Simmons. Okay. So maybe if he doesn't get hit in some fantasy land, that Simmons, the ball is out six more inches and Simmons can't get his arm on it. But that ball is not complete either. The ball is not, that, that dig is not running down that ball a foot and a half on the other side of Isaiah Simmons. Did you bet the game last night? No. Did you, but you watched it, obviously. I watched all of it. What, yeah, what did, my son and I started with the first half. What do you, we started with the first play. What do you think of Dalton right now? Forget about his past. No red rocket. What do you think of, of Red Rocket right now? You know why you don't call him the Red Rocket, right? No, why? Google Red Rocket. Oh, really? Um, is, Red it, Rocket. is it some sort of sexual connotation? connotation? Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, it is, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you said it, so. <laughs> Whatever. What do you think <laughs> of Red Jesus? I, I don't like Dalton. But I think he can play a little bit. Okay. Funny. I mean, he comes out and he makes that first throw. He's like, holy, holy cow. And that's, that's amazing. And then he's all right. But then he forces one into the end zone. And it's like, what is he doing? I actually went downstairs to get a drink. My son came back because we decided we were going to root for the Cardinals uh-huh. in this game. Just because my kids like to sit with them. And here's how they say it. They say, who are we counting on, Dad? Who are we counting I don't on? know where that came from. <laughs> but, but, like, it's so, My daughter will always do it. She really started with her. Who are you counting on to win this game? <laughs> like, well, I don't really know. So, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of cheering for... Like, yeah, but who are you counting on? Uh, 
chicken. I'm going to count on the cardinal. Right. And my son said, yeah, the birds. So he says, the other team caught it. And as I went downstairs to grab the drink, I was like, no way. That was an unbelievable drive that they went. The Saints went down the field, 15 plays. Just ate them up. Aaron had a bunch of runs, made a bunch of good throws. Couldn't believe he threw that pick. And then I, I'm, the dude drops the one. What's that dude number one's name for the Cal- Saints? Callaway. That Callaway. Was, yeah, that was right in his hands. He's on my yeah. fantasy team, too. Yeah, yeah didn't help Yeah, me. he looked up late. He's, he's coming out of a slant, and he looks up late. He's like three steps into a slant when he looks up. It's all on him. Ball was right another, on him. But hit him in the face. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, that was... That's, I mean, and then and then the Simmons, the, the real dagger with the Simmons pick six is that it ends up being a six. I know. If they could have survived that, it would have been 24-14. But that he takes it to the house, and it was a pretty good run back. And they made the two-point conversion. And I don't quite understand why we're going for two-point conversion, mm-hmm. down 14-12 and up 26-14, but they just do. Yeah, it's so. uh, on the on the two pointers. I've said this, said this a million times. Um, I, I wouldn't worry about it until the fourth quarter, when you when when you've got fewer possessions left in the game and fewer scoring opportunities and fewer scoring types um, that are uh, available. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. But whatever. Um, the reason I asked you about Dalton is because I have always kind of thought that Dalton was you know a starting NFL quarterback. He was in Cincinnati. You know, as a young quarterback, and that team went to the playoffs with Jay Gruden as the offensive coordinator uh, multiple times. I guess, but but the, the reason I ask you is, do you think Washington would have been much better off? Forget the price, because obviously the answer is yes on the price. But don't you think Dalton would have been just as good, if not more effective, than Wentz? Yeah. I do. But it's been proven that Dalton is not your longtime franchise quarterback. Not, not, not if you want to win a Super Bowl, that's for sure. Not if you want to go deep into the postseason, that's for sure. But I think he has proven that he's an NFL starting quarterback. I, I'm gonna... I would agree that he's. I would agree that I would have no problem starting Andy Dalton, and I would have. I would not be surprised at all if he. Played conservative in a game or threw three picks in a game right. and didn't have success. I would also not be surprised if he, you know, managed a game through for had was twenty five of forty and had two hundred eighty yards and they win. Yeah. And I think there's a variety of things that you're going to get out of Andy Dalton. I I read this tweet yesterday and talked about it with Tommy and my intention was not to talk about it with you but the subject is here uh this guy sent me a tweet um and he said you say as in Kevin you say Taylor Heineke is strictly a backup sensible rebuttal says half of the NFL is starting a backup or a non-franchise quarterback Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Marcus Mariota, Tannehill, Goff, Geno Smith, Davis Mills, Justin Fields, etc. Um, if you prefer, you know, Taylor Heineke as a backup, that's sure. But he's like the other guys in the late teens to low twenties starters. To which my response, and I did respond on Twitter, and I talked about this yesterday, and this is why, 
you you made me think of it because we're talking about an Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's been a backup and he's been a starter, a back half of the league starter. You know, somewhere between you know maybe at best eighteen and worst twenty six or whatever. That's not. I want to clarify what I think. Now I, I don't know what Cooley thinks. He can answer this after I answer it for him, even though I answered it yesterday. I don't think Taylor Heineke is Jimmy Garoppolo or Daniel Jones or Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill or Jared Goff or Andy Dalton. Okay, I don't put him in the category of back half of the league starters who are also sometimes backups. I understand the picture you're painting with those quarterbacks. They're not always starters. Sometimes they're backups. Mariota's been a backup. Jimmy G was going to be the backup. He was the backup this year. You know, Geno Smith's been a career backup. So I I understand what you're saying. That's not the category I, I put Taylor Heineke in. For me, Taylor Heineke's in that category of true backups. Chase Daniel, Nick Mullins, Colt McCoy. And I think he's high on that list, but I don't think he's in that other group. He's not in a group with Andy Dalton. Nowhere near it, in my opinion. What do you say to that? What I say to that is it's hard to be into that next group, but near it isn't far. It's just, is he capable of making that jump? And some of that jump to the next group is physical attributes. No one's going to sit here and say Taylor Heineke's going to throw a rifle all over the field and that his accuracy is there. And Taylor Heineke is going to make some plays with his feet, a lot like Colt McCoy. They're, a lot, they're very similar. He's, he's, going to, he's really smart, so the offense is going to run and operate, and the timing and the tempo is going to be there. The rhythm should be there. But then he's just not. I don't see him capable of consistently making the big throw, threading the needle, finding the window when he has to make the throw. So there's it's some of that is physical attribute. It's not his not him. It's not his character you know what I'm whatever whatever I'm trying to say. His arm, it's legs, it's body. You can't make some of the plays that you need to make to be in that next category. So why Chase Daniel never made it there. Chase Daniel is amazing. He doesn't yes. have the skill set physically right. to take the next step, and he knows that. That's why I put him in that category, not in the – by the way, I don't even know if Jared Goff at this point deserves to be in that category anymore. You know, you, you he's a guy where if you've got the right personnel around him and the right scheme, you know, he can push the, you know, the upper – let me just say, the upper part of the back half – of the league. Chase Daniel, do you know how much money Chase Daniel? I told Tommy this yesterday. Do you uh, he, five million, something like that? Four? How much made he's made in his career, career earnings? Oh, like twenty some million dollars. Forty two million dollars. That's amazing. Chase <laughs> Daniel made more than me. He made more than you, and he's barely ever played. I mean, and you know what? Like, if t- t- here's the thing, Cooley. You know this because you've actually said these kinds of things to me before. If you're really smart and you're really dedicated and you're a really good dude and you're a guy that everybody likes to be around and you're one of those guys that's great in the quarterback room, you can stick around forever as a backup quarterback and you can make a shitload of money. And Taylor Heineke, 
you know, he's obviously into the league uh, uh, older than Chase Daniel came into the league. But Chase Daniel has started in his entire career, which start which started in 2009, five games. Five. Taylor Heineke started 15. Well, actually, if you count the playoff game, 16 in his career uh, on the verge of his 17th. But he's a smart guy. He's a well-liked guy. He's great in the room. He could do what he's doing for another five, six years and, you know, Make a lot more money than he was going to make going into, you know, some. Well, I don't know. He could have worked for some hedge firm. He was some mathematical wizard, and uh, and and been, you know, much wealthier than even playing football. I don't know. But he could have a Chase Daniel kind of career. He could have a Nick Mullins kind of a career. Nick yeah, Mullins. man, don't feel bad for that. No, don't feel bad for the forty-two million dollars that he can make. <laughs> Why would he I? He's got to make the right picks. He's just got to do the right things, like Chase Daniel. Like the number one most important thing you have to do when you know your backup quarterback. Pick somewhere that you're not going to play. Say that good quarterback. Say, say that again. Pick somewhere where you're not going to play. <laughs> yeah. Right. You pick a team with a solid top fifteen quarterback and a decent offensive line. Right. <laughs> so that quarterback stays upright? The starter? Yeah. <laughs> Leo. Yeah. He's backing up Justin Herbert. You know, he was back. He backed up Matt Stafford. He backed up. I don't know who he was backing up in Chicago in 2018. Um, Trubisky. Trubisky. He backed up. Yeah, Drew. That was a risky move. Backed up. They Drew. actually brought him there to back up Mike uh, Glennon, or to compete maybe with Glennon. Right. Maybe that was the one shot he took, and then they took Trubisky in the draft. Yeah. Has backed up Drew Brees a ton during his career. Uh, four different seasons that's a, that's in New Orleans. Move. Drew Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees never gets hurt. You're not playing there. <laughs> and by the way, they're going to love no. you. And you just keep signing those two, two, two and a half million dollar backup deals. What a put great... your bandits mask on and you walk to the front desk every <laughs> other Friday. And you give me that check. What a great gig. Like All he's... time. He's making one. He's making two million dollars this year to back up Herbert. Second straight year making two million bucks to back up Herbert. And remember, Herbert was—he almost played a few weeks ago when Herbert had the rib injury. Anyway, uh, the game last night—I I, just—you know—it's funny. I, I watched the whole game, um, and they were an onside kick away. Well, they were down 42 to 31 driving, but it was one of those situations where you knew with the time going down that that if they got into a fourth down or if they got where the clock was down too far, they were going to kick a field goal to 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 at least give themselves a chance. I was hoping they'd hit on a big play and then go for the touchdown and the two-point conversion for the push. Uh, maybe get a little 42 to 39, but I needed the onside kick and that didn't go my way. So I'm 0-1, but I've got more smell test picks coming up. It was, it was a terrible onside kick. Yeah. How about the big story, though, of the night? Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco. Oh, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. A second, third, fourth in 2023, a fifth rounder in 2024. You know, um, his father, Ed, played for Mike in Denver and was Kyle's hero when Kyle was a kid. They've been very close with the McCaffreys for years. And this is really, when you think about the Shanahans, 
this is the first big time spend on a running back because it's always been a plug and play deal with their running backs. Going back to Denver and Mike. Yeah, but Christian McCaffrey is not a zone back that he's not the zone back that Kyle Shanahan going to plug and play as a zone back. Christian McCaffrey is the versatile back that he's going to use out of the backfield, and he's going to create a million different things for. He'll put him in a slot. He'll move him everywhere. Christian McCaffrey will be slash in San Francisco. He wasn't Carolina. He should have been more. He's not. Kyle Shanahan did not sign Christian McCaffrey because he doesn't believe that he has a back that can run his zone scheme. Because the, the Shanahan motto is we always have a back that can run our zone scheme. Right. For, li- for very little expenditure. You know, I mean, just the team, you know, the, this year, I mean, you know, the, 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 the Coleman's and the Wilson's and the, who else is on injured reserve? They've lost so many backs this year. God, they've lost they so do many every players. Year too. That's the other weird thing. It is true. They do every recently. Year. Recently. Yeah. So I have said, and I forget if you and I talked about this or if this was a uh, conversation on radio with somebody else, I forget. I think that, you know, there's some separation maybe between Buffalo, Kansas City, Philadelphia, and the next tier of teams. In fact, to be honest with you, I think Buffalo and Kansas City, and then there's a, a small there's a there's a you know, there's a, a, a drop off to Philly and then there's a drop off to the next group. But I have thought, you know, for the last couple of weeks that the 49ers, if healthy, and they haven't been healthy, you know, Bosa, Armstead, you know, Trent, um, all of the backs, they, you know, they've, they've had a bunch of injuries. But I think that team fully healthy is a Super Bowl contender. And that was before McCaffrey. What does McCaffrey do for them? I mean, you kind of explained it, but ultimately, where, where do you think San Francisco is now offensively? It's a massive, massive step for them. It changes, uh, uh, in my opinion, a boatload, and here's why. Again, not the fact that Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to run the ball, and if he does, that's terrific. You know, if he ends up with 150 yards a game or anything rushing, whatever, that, that's, that's on top of it. The new common and easiest concept in the NFL to get guys open and to dictate coverage is not necessarily the true X receiver. It helps, but it is a tight end and a back that you can put on the same side. Kittle, How are you going to play us? Kittle and McCaffrey. You will tell us exactly how you are going to play us every single time. We go trips to the right and Kittle and McCaffrey to the left. We will dictate what coverage you are in. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, really a guy who needs to see that, you just basically gave him the answers to the test. It's it's an awesome move for them. But... Okay, I understand what you're saying, and that's really interesting. And obviously, I think most of us didn't think of it that way. I certainly didn't. But are He's you going to make plays? But are, but are you do things? The, the matchups are going to be problems. Okay, even further, like they'll create mismatch problems. They'll create matchup problems. But more importantly, the when he when they overplay that side, 
Jimmy immediately knows he can go work the other way. So if he's... I'm thinking more like a coach than you're thinking of it as a fan. But by the way, I mean, let's not forget that Tebow Samuel's on the, on the offense and so is Brandon Ayuk. Like, they have... You know, the big question, of course, with McCaffrey is just health. Like, can he stay healthy? He never has been able to stay healthy, so there's some risk there. But what I wanted to just clarify is, do you think that he wouldn't be a good zone runner? No, no, no. He'll be great. He'll be great. He'll be just fine in the zone run game. What I want to clarify is, do I think that he's going to be dynamically better than other backs in that scheme? Uh, as just a, as a pure back, as a guy that you're going to hand the ball to, no. Okay, right. I think he'd be better, but it, I don't. I mean, shoot, the, as far as running the ball, the car, like you know, Benjamin looked amazing last night for the Cardinals. I have him on my fantasy team. But look, your point is, I mean, is like Tevin Coleman, you know, Raheem Mostert, you know, all of the different guys they've had there. Like, it's not going to look that much different with him as a zone runner. He'll be just as good as those guys, but there won't be a significant difference. The difference is when you put him out on the side of the field with the tight end and the op and the non-X receiver, you got major problems defensively and the defense has to tell you exactly what they're playing, which will make it so much easier for Garoppolo. Which will make it so much easier, especially so now we're looking at third and six. And it's a really good opportunity for defenses to vary uh, multiple coverages throughout and to show different looks and to bring double A gap before the snap and show full pressure and all out. But not when you put Kittle and, and McCaffrey to, to one side and three receivers to the other side. Mm-hmm. Or when you put even with McCaffrey in the backfield to the side where Kittle is and three receivers to the other side. Or you motion McCaffrey out of the backfield. They are going to tell you what they're in. I mean, I think it, I think it like changes your third down conversion percentage by about eighteen percent. Well, that was just a random number that you threw out, but I under, we we get your point. I think I'm, I think I'm going to be really close on that, though. Okay, well, it might be um, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey uh, <laughs> out, out there at the same time. I mean, look at how many times Debo Samuel lines up in the backfield, and they use him. All over the field. Yeah. Now we got. Now we have a three three dudes in the backfield, and not whatever other back and McCaffrey and Debo and there's there's dude. And when you watch, so I've watched Kyle. I've watched quite a bit of the Forty ers on film over the last few years. I it's for me. It's more like if I was going to create offense, I would watch the Chiefs and the Forty ers as inspiration. My inspiration board. Kyle is really versatile with some of the stuff he does formationally and how he moves that offense around. And to have a piece who's really intelligent, who can also help anybody else in any of those spots, because McCaffrey can understand it all. Oh, man. He is, I, like Kyle Shanahan just woke up today, and it did Fred Flintstone yabba-dabba-doo and pedaled his car to work. He's so happy. <laughs> Pedal, he pedaled his car to work. He pedaled his car <laughs> to, to the quarry. Um, got out, put his hard hat on, and walked into the building. Um, Come on, Barney, let's go. Oh, boy. Uh, he's, he, I, I'll bet you that he woke up that I – don't, I don't even know if he slept. But uh, if he did sleep, he woke up about 4.30 and said, Yes, we got him. <laughs> Do you think there's a chance McCaffrey plays Sunday against the Chiefs? Yep. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there'll be a package for him. Yeah. Okay. No doubt. Um, but that's a huge trade. Um, I wanted to mention one more thing about the game last night. Okay. Just really quick. They're both two and four teams. Yeah. Arizona's now a three and four team. Yeah. That got DeAndre Hopkins back and has played decent defense all year. Well, they weren't very good Sometimes, defensively last night. No, they weren't, but they have played decent defense. Well, they, they weren't great defensively last night other than they scored 14 points. Well, I, I understand that, but they they gave up 500 yards and couldn't stop them from moving the ball up and down the field and 34 points ultimately and needed a drop well, pass right. for one of the pick sixes. But, no, you're right. They've played decent defense at times this year. True. They have played decent defense throughout the year. Oh. And Todd Bowles is a – or it's not Todd Bowles. Um, Vance Joseph's a good coordinator. He is a good coordinator. And they had, none, they had a bunch of dudes out last night. I know. I think Kingsbury's so, overmatched. I think Kingsbury looks like a dork. <laughs> and I, I just – I mean, Kyler Murray, it's, it, it's fun to watch him. I'm not disputing the fact that there are plays that he makes that nobody else can make. But when he is contained, and I thought New Orleans a couple of times did a pretty good job of just keeping him in the pocket, he can't throw from the pocket. He can't see. Oh, yeah. What do you have, like three or four balls batted down? Uh, Yes. And there was one that DeAndre Hopkins looked at him, and he's like, I never saw the ball come out. Like the ball's coming out of nowhere. He had ten catches. Hey, in you know what? No, it, it, I know he did. He was he was great. He had what seven in the second half. Yeah. Um, there, but there were a couple times in that game where I know what you're saying. It looks like they kept him in the pocket. But there, but a couple of those where they kept him in the pocket, it was like leave the pocket. I thought so <laughs> too. Yeah, Just like, it, run. Just right. leave the po- like leave the pocket. Yeah. Anyways, it just looks like a different t- uh, like. It looked like a different two and four team than you're going to watch, or that you've been watching in Washington. Well, yeah, I know they've struggled. They've had struggles on offense, but they're a team that just got DeAndre Hopkins back, had Hollywood Brown out, and yeah. <clears throat> looks like he can make something happen a little bit. I'm still, I mean, they're su- right there in their division too. That's another difference. I'm still surprised that they're not figuring out more ways to use Rondell Moore who I think is such a weapon. And for whatever reason, they, they, don't, they don't use him as, enough, uh, as, as much as I think they should. But, uh, you know, there's still time. He is uh, – I know, there's time. But when you have Hollywood Brown and now you get back Hopkins, like – Well, they traded you... for Robbie Anderson too. Yeah, and also, that's weird they went and got Robbie Anderson. Is Hollywood something wrong with Hollywood Brown? Yeah, yeah, more, he's, well, yeah he's hurt. I, I, I forget what the injury How is. How long is he hurt? Um, I'm looking for it right now. He's on injured reserve. I, I, don't, I forget if it's the whole year. I don't think it's the whole year, though. A month. It's a month, yeah. I don't. So to your point, I, I mean, don't think they're very good. I, I, may be, I may be wrong about them. I'm not a big fan of the Cardinals. I, I I think that you're, I think you're right that they're not great. You you're so if they played Washington, who'd be favored? Oh, the Cardinals. That's an interesting question. If the Cardinals yeah. played Washington, the Cardinals would well, be favored. What would the line be? Uh, in Washington, minus three and a half. In Arizona, minus eight and a half. 
nine? I don't know. Yeah. Seven, so seven in Arizona, two, two in Washington, something like that. I don't know. I, it, yeah, the, the point I'm making isn't that they're very good. The point I'm making is just that it's a, it's an exciting team at two and four. Well, you know, watching Kyler Murray play is exciting, and they have some they they have weapons. One more thing to get to before we get to Washington Green Bay and we preview the game, and then I've got a bunch of smell test picks at the end of the show. Uh, and that is when you were on the show Wednesday, uh, we kind of stumbled into this conversation about you being added to the 10 that created the uh, 90 greatest Redskins of all time. Uh, the new 10 are going to be celebrated as part of, you know, what they call alumni homecoming weekend. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you said uh, that you're not coming and... Uh, the only thing I said on the radio show this morning is I said it had nothing to do with the name change. A lot of people, as this thing kind of went viral, I guess, yesterday, a lot of people thought it you know, was you pushing back on the name change. No, that wasn't it at all. So, you know, I'm going to let you talk from here and say what you want to say, but there were a lot of people that obviously uh, you know, heard what you said on the podcast and are curious as to what you meant specifically. funny because I've, I've had a couple people call me that are close to me and everybody knows exactly what I meant specifically and, and that seems to be enough. Right. But to be very clear, this, this does not have to do with the name change. Although I did say when it immediately happened with you that it does feel like a different team with the name change. Right. That is, also, that is not the reason at all. But it, it's easy for me in that sense to say I played for this team, and now they are that team. I am very thankful to, ever, to everyone again who voted, to the fans, to everybody that was a part of my career. Really incredibly thankful. It was an unbelievable ride. I was so proud to be a part of one organization my whole career. It meant the world to me. Um, and I, I, I don't want this to come off as dismissive or non-appreciative. That is not what it's about. It's, I'm not trying to be the bad guy. And, and I'm just not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to try to be that. So in so much, I don't want to talk about why or what I want to end with. I'm just not interested in being a part of the Washington commanders right now. I'll talk about them with you, but I'm not interested in being a part of them at this point. And I don't really have anything else to say. I'm not blaming anybody. Uh, it's just, that's, this is where we are today. All right, up next, we will preview Washington and Green Bay right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. Apple, five stars if you don't mind, and a quick one to two sentence review from McLovin. Uh, and a bunch of numbers on Twitter. More bear attack stories. I could have listened to that. My wife as well for another 20 minutes or so. Yeah, we talked about the Cody Wyoming uh, wrestlers that were hiking and got attacked by grizzly bears. Uh, That's right where Cooley lives. And I did read that entire story after the show Wednesday, Cooley. It's chilling. The guy that the guy that saved his life's uh, his friend's life by pulling or distracting the bear off of him is the one that really nearly lost his life. The bear was not too pleased that he was coming to protect his friend, and the bear turned on him, literally chomped down on the kid's skull, and then went away. He started screaming for his friend to come back to help him, and the bear came back and attacked him again. It's actually a miracle that he that he lived through this. Miracle. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. That's that's big news here. Big news yeah. everywhere. It's yeah. amazing because this happens. I think I said this other day. This happens yearly around here. Someone got mauled last year hunting. But this one's become big news. Headline news and Bears are scary. what? Bears are scary. Yeah, I take a ten. I take a, I carry a ten millimeter every time I go in the mountains. These guys had bear spray. They couldn't get it out of their pocket. It was it, it, the bear was too quick. They said it 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 it, it, it came out of nowhere. Surprised they, the hell out of exactly them. That's exactly what they do. Yeah, most times, really, almost everybody that's got attacked, that, that's what they say, is had guns, never left holsters, had bear spray, never left pocket. But, so the real, and the, like the cowboy way of doing it is, I'm not, I don't need any goddamn bear spray. <laughs> got my gun. But when you talk to everyone around here, you carry the bear spray because if the bear does get on top of you, most times you can't discharge your weapon. 
But if you can just reach your pocket and pull the clip on the bear spray, even if you're not pointing it, it just creates a cloud. What's in bear spray? Is it pepper? Yeah, it's probably a chemical. And it works. It's, it's pepper spray. And it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they hate it. And, the, you know, it's funny. We did this bear stuff the other day, and I was talking to some guy about it. Because bears here, there have been so many more people in the mountains, and there's so many more bears. And the proximity of the bears to people is much closer than it has been, you know, since uh, since it's been 100 years ago. Sure. So the bears smell the food, or they smell anything. They smell the people. They associate the two with the two. They don't, bears don't want to eat people. Bears are really, the grizzly bears around here are like 85% omnivores. They really, they really don't eat that much meat. They will, but they don't associate people as prey. They associate people more as a threat. So either the person's a threat to the cubs or the person is a threat to their potential meal or they're in their base. So it's, it, but it is crazy, you know, they're, they're, they're everywhere and, and it, and there are people everywhere and, is it? But they they'll sneak up on you, buddy. Does a mother? It's always in the fall too. It's like always in the fall. It's spring or fall. They're way more aggressive in the spring or fall when they're hungry or when they're trying to get food before they hibernate. And then, and then there are more people in the mountains right now, like backcountry mountains, because they're they're elk hunting, right? And they're deer hunting, and so the bears are they're getting more and more accustomed to the people. The bear doesn't, they really don't want to attack people. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, if you think, bears are really intelligent, and they know if, the, if something happens to them in the wild, then they're, de- they're going to die. It's not like, they're, they're actually smart enough to know they can't get hurt. Does a mother protect the cubs more aggressively her 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 cubs than a father like when there's an attack because somebody stumbles upon a cub you know not not the father doesn't protect the cub at all the okay. father's never with the cub okay the reason the mothers protect the cubs is because the male bears are they they kill the cubs really I the male bear i didn't know that going back to them knowing they're smart they'll attack the cub because they don't want that cub to ever take over the territory so they'll attack the cubs so the mothers have to be so aggressive to fight off the the, the males mm-hmm. i'm looking at various pepper spray videos with bears um oh that- the point where i was trying to go with this you reminded me real quick what the couple people were saying that I was talking to that know quite a bit about bears is once that bear gets pepper sprayed, it will never, ever come close to a human being again. Because now they've associated that pepper spray in whatever injury to humans. So, like, man, the fishing game should just go up and pepper spray every bear. <laughs> exactly. There's no long-lasting effect to, to, to the bear of being pepper sprayed, right? It just bothers their eyes or whatever, and eventually they're, they're okay. Or am I wrong about that? I yeah, no, I, that's got to be what it is. Well, then why don't they? You know, yeah, the the, the that that's inhumane, Kevin. I, I guess, but you're uh, if if that's true, the bear attacks are really uncommon. 
To the amount of people that spend time in the mountain and the amount of bears that there are up there, it's incredibly uncommon to have a bear attack. I'll tell you what, though. When it does happen, it's not good. Uh, that's when it's like, you know, I wish I were back in the cabin sipping on a bourbon in front of the fire. Um, let, let everybody else go hiking. When I come out to visit you, I'd rather not go hiking, if that's okay. I want to fish, though. Yeah. I want to fish. I mean, we're, 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 wherever you take me fishing, are we going to be in bear country? Yeah. Are we going to be in attack bear country? Like, if we're out fly fishing on the river, are they going to come out and attack us in the river? No. Okay. You said one started to approach right. you. That was a black bear. Oh, that was a black bear. From Montana. They're just, I mean, black bears are big, too. Yeah. There are black bears here. I mean, black bears out in western Maryland. Lots of them. Okay. Uh, Washington and Green Bay. So what do you think? Because I think it's a winnable game. Do you? The reason I think it's a winnable game for Washington, and I would qualify it as as a not likely to win. (laughs) When I was playing, we did this. I've told you this. We'd say, what's the percentage we win this week? I'm I'm sure if I was playing, I would say it's higher. But it's it's not more than one in four that they're going to beat the Packers. But the Packers are struggling on offense compared to what the Packers really are. Rodgers just doesn't have the weapons. And so I, I think, and, and Washington's defense will bode well for that because where they do have some struggles in the secondary, if you don't have these elite big-time can separate receivers and you can get after Rodgers with a pass rush, you can put some pressure on them. I, I, I think that Washington can keep this as an incredibly manageable game. The question for me is, they, can they move the ball with Heineke this week? And is it different than they have been? And can they find a way to score some points? Because Green Bay's defense is outstanding. Yeah, but it hasn't played outstanding. On paper, it's outstanding. It hasn't played that way yet. I mean, I, I was looking at just a lot of the Green Bay stuff because I think it's one of those games in which – like, I, I think the word that you just used, which, you know, I think people can envision is this is a game that can be managed and they can, you know, they can be in it in the same way that they managed those games during that four game win streak last year with with Heineke. You know, none of the games they won two games by the score of 17 to 15, but they've got to be better offensively offensively than they've been. They've been terrible. They've punted 35 times this year, more than any team in the league. They're 29th in the league in yards per drive. They've fallen to 26th in the league on third downs, three for 22 in the last two games. And as we talked about earlier this week, they had favorable down and distances on, or d- distances on third down against Chicago. Um, but Green Bay is giving up nearly five yards per carry. They are dead last in the league right now. Rush defense per football outsider's DVOA metric. Um, they, They should be better than they are defensively with some of the players like Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed and, and you know even the rookie linebacker Quay Walker. They should be much better than they are defensively, but they have struggled. Teams have run the ball well, against they're them. Third, they're third best. They're third best in the league in yards given up through the air. 
I know that, but teams have run the ball against them recently. Green Bay ran it against them. The Jets ran it against them a little bit. The Giants ran it against them a little bit. They, they, they you know, and I had Zay, I had Zabe on radio this morning. You know, he's Mister Packer now, and um, I had somebody else on from Green Bay yesterday, and they said the same thing. They said they they have underperformed defensively based on their talent. Now, could it be that? Washington's offense will be kind of a get-right opportunity for the Green Bay defense. That's possible. That's possible. But this seems like a manageable game to me, too. Like, I could see them playing well defensively, really getting after Rodgers because of the issues they've had with their offensive line, the issues they've got with their receivers. I hope they use Gibson a lot this week, Cooley. I, I, he was – I just think he's played well. And I know they're going to use both of them. But um, anyway, continue. Because defensively on paper, yes, they should be good, but they haven't been. But it's, funny when you, it's, but it's funny when you talk about, yeah, they really they haven't performed and teams can really run the ball on them. It's almost like that's what you're asking teams to do at this point in the NFL. Go ahead. Rush for 135 yards a game or rush for 150 yards a game. Go for it. Because Green Bay is fifth overall in total yards given up a game. And they allow 19.8 points per game. Yeah. So right now, if essentially, if you're just, if you're weighing Green Bay's analytics or whatever it is, however you do this, and said, as a, as a coach in 1960, and we got to score 20 points to beat them. And we have Aaron Rodgers. Can we find a way to get to 20? And that's also, if you factor in the fact that Washington really doesn't score, like a lot of other teams, your Green Bay, I mean, there's a couple ways you can look at it, and I don't like to look at it as we got to score 21. I like saying let's score 50 every week. But... This is this is not a defense. Even though they, they they the teams will move it and teams can run the ball a little bit. Green Bay is exceptional in stopping teams in third down situations. They don't give up yards through the air, and they don't give up a lot of points. So it's not this isn't just a get right game for Washington's offense. Keep in mind, Washington does not. I, 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 I wasn't saying I wasn't well. saying that. I was not saying that. I don't view Green Bay as a get-right game for Washington's offense. I think Washington's got major issues offensively, and you know we've we've gone through those week by week here in the, in, in the last few weeks. Now, what we do, what we what we're getting differently this week is a quarterback um, that is different and has a different skill set. All I'm saying is is that the Patriots with a, a, a third-string quarterback. It's a team that should have been completely one-dimensional, rushed for 167 yards and over five yards per carry against Green Bay two weeks ago or three weeks ago in a game that they actually could have and should have won against a team with no wide receivers in London, the Giants. Uh, they gave up you know, four yards per carry and 125 yards rushing. Last week against the Jets, and you know the special teams were a factor in this game, and the Jets' defense was outstanding. But their rookie running back, Brees Hall, went for 116, and as a team, they rushed for over f- nearly 5.5 yards per carry. 
a team that, you know, is young but still has a very young quarterback. I think the Jets have some weapons, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, they're not using one of them, Elijah Moore, who now wants to be traded. But the last three games, even with Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed and some of the linebackers, they have against teams that for all intents and purposes are kind of one-dimensional, they gave up a lot of yards on the ground. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I understand that completely. What I'm, what I'm saying to you is what, like, if Washington – if, if they can if they can be versatile, then they then they'll be fine on offense. Green Bay's really, I mean, with Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, who I think is maybe the best free safety in the league, and some of the pass rush they have, they don't give up yards through the air. So what do you got to rush for if you're Washington? One eighty to win a ball game. Um, and is that feasible? Well, last year against the Packers, and I think they were better. They were more productive defensively last year. But uh, similar teams, um, no Zadarius Smith uh, for them uh, this year. You know, again, better defensive team last year. Washington rushed for 200 yards against Green Bay. Heineke had a lot of those yards. He had a, a ton of scrambles in that game. They got down into the red zone four times, were 0 for 4 in the red zone, including like 0 for 2 from inside the three-yard line. I mean, they rolled up 430 yards of offense and 25 first downs against the Packers last year. And it started during that whole stretch of – it started kind of the stretch of them believing that they could run the football and be balanced and have a chance to win that way. That game was closer than the score indicated. The next week's game against Denver was uh, uh, closer, and then they ran off four in a row. It's a game that needs to be managed, but they've got to run the football. I agree with that. The problem is is that they don't run the football consistently well because they struggle up front. Right. They're not very good up front. Terrible. I, I mean, and we can like they can say all they want. The players got to perform, but that's who they have right now, and that group has got to get them to perform. But they are not a consistent offensive line. I've been hearing, by the way, Chris, that Cosme, when he comes back, might play guard. And they'll leave uh, Lucas out at right tackle and move Cosme to guard. Um, And so you'll get one of your better players onto the field. Because Lucas and, and Leno aren't the problems. It's been their center, Norwell, and whomever is playing the other guard spot, they've been the problem. Norwell's their other guard, but and then the center is it. centers have changed too. Recently. Norwell's left. All right. So what else? How do they beat them? You get turnovers, and you get a couple good plays on special teams, and then and then Heineke finds it. You, uh, first of all, they don't beat them if they lose the turnover battle. I, I I just don't. I see in no way, shape, or form. Washington is a team that can outperform Green Bay to the extent of Green Bay has two extra turnovers and they and they they just are so resilient. So I, like I don't believe that to be the case this week. So I think they got to create a couple turnovers. And the, even if it's a botched punt, it's a botched punt. Like sometimes that happens in ball games. And then they have to continue to get better in third down situations. Heineke's got to find a way to convert. Like Green Bay's that giving up 
I think like 24, 25% on third down, which is really pretty good on defense. They need to be closer to 50, 45%. Yeah. Like you got to limit. I, and I, I get it that when you look at Green Bay, it's, it's not the same offense. And, you know, you're looking at Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard and, I mean, Randall Cobb's back, but. Uh, he's not back. I don't, I don't, I don't know that he's going to play this week. Is he not going to play this week? But yeah. he's he's on that team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. They should do a good job against the run, and I like I think Aaron Jones is really good. They should do a good job against the run, and but you still it's Aaron Rodgers, and do you want to keep giving him possessions? And if you punt eleven times or eight times in this game, he will take advantage of those possessions. So you got to convert, and you got to move the ball enough to be able to put three up in some of these drives. Like they're just, you can't you can't have five three and outs or five. Let's call it. Let's call it six and outs or worse. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta have more than two first downs on a couple drives, most drives. That's how they win. They maintain the ball and they get first downs, and they find a way to get three out of most drives or more. When you said the turnovers thing, I mean, you know, it's that that cliche, you know, keys to the game, but it's never cliche because it's such an important number in the NFL. But I was just thinking they were plus two against Chicago and still almost lost that game. And without the plus two, certainly without the muffed punt, they probably don't win the game. And that's Chicago. I, I think that Green Bay's banged up along uh, – the real opportunity is offensively they're struggling right now. They're struggling up front. Aaron Rodgers isn't 100%. He's not comfortable with the receiving group they have. And Washington is surging right now defensively, especially up front. So John Allen and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat, they have a chance to really disrupt the game and keep this a game that you know ends up being played into the teens you know, with a, a chance to win as long as offensively they're not inept. And I don't see them being inept this week. You might be right, and you, and you pointed something out that I should have pointed out. Green Bay is number one in the league in third down defense, number one in the league. But Washington has to figure out, after going three for 22 on third down, how to hit that 45 to 50% number this week. You know, they, they've got to be in that seven to eight out of 15 range. Somewhere in there. Um, or it's, you know, you can't go one for 11, two for 11, and think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to play like Justin Fields or Ryan Tannehill played the last two weeks, no matter how banged up he is. But it's a fine line game. It doesn't change with Taylor Heineke. It's still a fine line game for this team right now who's struggling up front, struggling on offense, getting better on defense. If you end up with a bunch of penalties like you did against Dallas, if you end up with a drop touchdown pass like you did against Chicago, um, even though you survived that, um, or worst case, you end up giving the ball away a couple of times and not getting them back, you're not going to win this game. But for whatever reason, I think it's a winnable game. I think they're going to have a chance to win it. I like Washington plus the four and a half. You'll hear that in the smell test. And... um, you know, the other part of uh, – one, one other thing, Green Bay you're, – you're catching Green Bay at, at the right time in terms of the way they're playing and their health, but they play at Buffalo next week. And if they lose to Washington, they're going to be a 3-5 and five football team through eight games. And at that point, their chance of catching the Vikings in the NFC North, slim and none more likely than not. 
So this is kind of, not that anybody in Green Bay would ever refer to a game as a code red game. They've never had a code red game. We have code red games here every year. But this is this is a, a big-time game for them. They can't stumble against the Commanders and be 3-4 and four headed to Buffalo. You know what that line is, Cooley, next week already? The look-ahead line? What do you think Buffalo's favored by next week over Green Bay? Six. Nine. Nine? That's what I said. Taking Green Bay in that game. Eight and a halfs and nines all over. Buffalo's much better than Green Bay right now. You I can, understand that. You can have you can have at Green Bay plus the number all you want. Um, I'll take it. All right. Any other thoughts on this game before you give me your prediction? I hope it's a good game. I think that's the one thing. I think it'll be a good football game. And I am excited to watch Heineke. And that has nothing to do with Wentz's performance. I, I, it's fun. Heineke's like a... He's just fun to sprinkle in here and there. Fun to see him play. But once you see him play for eight weeks in a row, you're like, okay, I've had enough Heineke. <laughs> he's like McDonald. It's <laughs> good every once in a while. Yeah. That number one, that Big Mac, is so good. Um, but like you once know, a month. Well, uh, once a month is is once a month would, would be great. I wish I could do that once a month. But once every couple of months, my God, it's great. But if you did a Big Mac every day or or, or twice a week, yeah, it's just not as good as I thought. I'd rather go back to Five Guys. Um, Legler was on the radio show with me this morning, and you know he's a massive Skins fan. And he just kept saying over and over again, and he's, he had reached out to me earlier this week, he's like, at least now the offense is going to look like an NFL offense. Like he's a, he's a believer that Taylor Heineke's just, you know, better than Carson Wentz. He's like, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a quarterback that can throw for more than 250 yards. You know, Wentz has multiple 300-yard-plus games this year for I Washington. I mean, I but he, you know, these last four games and last week, it, it – it really, whatever. I think we, I think there's a chance we've seen the last of Wentz, a decent chance. All right, what's your prediction? Mm. Your prediction, your final score prediction is what? I think it'll be closer than you think. I think I think this game looks like twenty-one seventeen Green Bay. Uh, that's not a cover, so you've got Washington plus the four and a half. Um, I have Green Bay 17-14. to 14. I think it's a really close game, a winnable game, um, and uh, Washington loses by three uh, but covers as well. And the game is an under game. It's 41-41 and a half. I see it being a grind of a game, maybe a fast-moving game. Skins have had a bunch of long games, I think, recently. Um, you know, one of those games that starts at 1 and is over at like 3.50, 3.48 uh, p.m., and uh, it's 17-14 on a Mason Crosby walk-off field goal. Uh, oh, you're a walk-off field goal, huh? Yeah. Uh, how, many, how many yards does Taylor Heineke throw for? Uh, he throws for 190, rushes for 40. Okay. Seems about right. Uh, I hope he rushes for a lot more. <laughs> it's the dumbest question. Like, how do you get – it's impossible to make that guess. But well, I'm, I'm looking yeah, – let's, uh, let's go with that. Let me go with the – let me try to find the player prop here on him. Heineke's passing yardage number, two twenty-one and a half. So you got you got under. Uh, Rogers Rogers is two thirty-one and a half. That's crazy. That's begging you to take the over. <laughs> it's begging you to take the over. 
Yeah, we're going to see a 16, 13, 17, 14, 21, 17 kind of game. All right. Um, you don't want to stick around for the smell test, do you? I would, I, again, I'd like to, but I got, I got to go pick up my son from school. So. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. All right, All right. Uh, when we come back, smell test. Uh, just four college picks, but a bunch of NFL picks. We'll get to those right after these words from a few of our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Smell test brought to you by MyBookie. Uh, your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves into a winning position. It's time you do the same with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill out your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the NFL, the Major League Baseball playoffs, the NBA, the NHL, or play for a share of big cash prizes in one of their weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is now make your winning move today use my promo code at mybookie.ag my promo code is kevin dc and you'll be able to claim a deposit match of any amount up to a thousand dollars so if you deposit a thousand you'll have two thousand in your account deposit 500 you'll have a thousand in your account deposit a hundred bucks you'll have 200 in your account very few places are offering this very generous intro offer you must use my promo code Kevin DC to claim that bonus. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. By the way, I was looking at some of the, you know, week seven as we approach the midseason uh, mark, two weeks away from it or a week and a half away from it. Some of the updated uh, props, season props like division odds. In the NFC East, Philadelphia is a prohibitive favorite at minus 429. Okay, you've got to wager $429 to win 100. So if the Eagles win the division, you win 100. If they lose the division, you lose $429. The Cowboys are at plus 560. You bet 100 bucks on the Cowboys, you lose, you lose 100. But if you win and they win the division, you win 560. The Giants are at plus 730. Washington, even off of a win and at two and four, plus 15,000. Um, so Washington, obviously, if you think they're going to make a run with Taylor Heineke, get to my bookie, open up an account and put a little bit. I would not recommend putting a lot on, on there, but put a little bit on Washington to win the division. Some of the other division odds, interesting, um, to me, uh, 
The NFC uh, North, Minnesota, is obviously the favorite right now, but Green Bay's plus 240. Like, nobody's really counting Green Bay out. And the NFC West, where you've got three three and three teams, and now one team that's three and four in the Cardinals. San Francisco, after the trade for McCaffrey, now the favorite. Now, they were a slight favorite before. They're at minus 110. The Rams are at plus uh, 153. Um, So there you go. Uh, Those are some of the NFC division odds races. You know, actually, as you look into uh, the AFC, where you've got real tight races, obviously, in the AFC South, Uh, The AFC North as well, and the AFC West, even though I think Kansas City uh, is the favorite. Um, In the division, Buffalo is a massive favorite in the AFC East. The Ravens are the favorite in the AFC North with Cincinnati a a close second. Uh, Indy is the favorite in the AFC South, and I say that because Indianapolis is going to be in the smell test. They're plus 110, Tennessee's plus 160. Uh, the AFC West, Kansas City's the favorite at minus 190. The Chargers are at plus 202. Some of the uh, prop bet opportunities at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC. So last week I was 5-4 and four on the smell test. Um, but last night, uh, to start off week seven, I gave it out on the show yesterday. I gave out the Saints plus three. Uh, it's never good when the team you bet on throws two pick sixes within a minute of each other. Uh, that happened last night at the end of the first half. New Orleans was moving the ball up and down the field on Arizona. They had a 14-6 to lead and then two pick sixes. Really, one of them not Dalton's fault. Uh, Callaway should have caught the ball. Um, and then the other one, he was kind of hit as he threw it. Uh, Dalton ended up with four touchdown passes, but with, th- uh, with three interceptions in a 42 to 34 loss. All right. Uh, this week, um, I'll start with, I don't have any Friday games. The Friday games have worked out pretty well, um, for us, uh, so far, but don't have any of those, uh, this week. Um, I do like four games tomorrow and we're going to focus on the, American Athletic Conference. Uh, we've had some weeks where we've focused on the Sun Belt. Uh, tomorrow, SMU is getting three and a half against, I think, a really good Cincinnati team. I think Cincinnati, you know, they made the playoff last year. Uh, Luke Fickle's doing such a great job there. I think Ben Bryant's an NFL quarterback. Their only loss was the opener in Fayetteville against Arkansas, 31-24. I watched that game. That was such a winnable game for Cincinnati. They are so close to being undefeated and being talked about for a second straight year as a potential playoff team. They're playing at SMU tomorrow in an early afternoon game, and they're laying three and a half. It doesn't seem like it's enough SMU beat Navy last week in a shootout 40-34, to but they've had some dissension in that program, a lot of threats of transfer portal guys. Um, the public likes Cincinnati. I will take in the game uh, SMU plus the three and a half. Stay in that league where Navy is playing Houston. They're catching two and a half by the half point and take the middies. You know, there was a point here early in the season where Navy couldn't score. Um, they lost to Delaware in the opener 14-7. They lost to Memphis 
Uh, they lost to Air Force 13-10 to the last two weeks. They have exploded. Coach Ken has them humming offensively. They beat Tulsa 53-21 to a few weeks ago. They lost last week in a shootout to SMU 40-34. to They're playing a Houston team that every single game this year has been super tight with the exception of one. They, they've played in three overtime games. They won a seven-point game in regulation and a one-point game last Friday night. I gave them out against Memphis. That was a miracle win. They scored, recovered an onside kick, and scored again. Um, but I gave out um, uh, Houston there. Uh, the line short. Public really likes Houston. I think Houston with Dana Holgerson's a, a good team. I think Navy's coming right now. I think Navy uh, wins this game probably outright, uh, but I definitely love them plus the three. Uh, the other American Athletic Conference game tomorrow, UCF scored 70 last week against Temple, and they're only laying four and a half against East Carolina. Uh, the public's all over UCF. I'll take East Carolina plus four and a half. Let's go to Sunday where there are a lot of NFL games I like, and it starts with Washington plus four and a half public pounding Green Bay. I know it. I gave out Jacksonville in the opener against Washington. That didn't work out. Washington ended up covering. I gave out Washington against Philly, against Dallas, against Tennessee. I wanted to give them out last week. and I just backed off it. Uh, they're the right side, though. Um, they are getting uh, very, very little of the public play, but they've gotten a lot of sharp play. I did want to point something out. If I didn't do this earlier, and if I'm being repetitive, I apologize, but um, the line didn't come down from five and a half, six to four and a half where it is now because of Taylor Heineke. Talk to some of my guys offshore. The line came down because the Sharps are betting Washington because Green Bay looks totally vulnerable right now after their win over the Jets. They were kind of a five and a half, six point favorite, six and a half point favorite in some spots before the Jet game last week. And that's what has odds makers worried. They are not a very good team right now. And Washington's played well defensively. Um, Washington plus four and a half. Uh, the, nobody's playing Detroit tomorrow plus seven at Dallas with Dak returning. I'll take the Lions. I think the Colts are playing uh, oh, oh, better now, and I think they're on the verge of playing well. The Colts are catching two and a half by the half point, playing plus three at Tennessee. The line that doesn't make sense at all is Jacksonville is a two and four team being favored by three over the five and one Giants. Gimme Jacksonville. The world is on the Giants tomorrow. The Browns are getting six and a half. I'll buy the half point. They've looked awful recently. Baltimore, not so much, but the public still likes the Ravens. I'll take the Browns plus seven in Baltimore tomorrow. Um, there's a game at 4.05, Denver and the Jets. Denver right now on the board is a one-point favorite with the Jets pounded uh, by the public. This game, you'll have to check back with me because there could be some quarterback changes there if Russ doesn't play and Brett Rippon plays. That line may change significantly. But if Russ plays and the line stays at minus one, that line doesn't make sense with the way the Broncos have played. I'll take Denver. They, they they covered for me on Monday night. I'll take them again. San Francisco makes the trade for McCaffrey. I have no idea if he'll play on Sunday. That line's at two and a half by the half point. Public thinks Kansas City will bounce back in a big way off of the loss to Buffalo. I'll take the 49ers plus three at home against the Chiefs. And then Monday night, 
Uh, I do like the Bears plus seven and a half at New England. Nobody um, is betting on the Bears. Uh, that will be one of those kind of like um, Jacksonville this week. The, the books will need those teams. Recapping Saturday, SMU plus three and a half, Navy plus three, East Carolina plus four and a half, and LSU minus two and a half. Did I mention LSU or did I completely forget LSU? LSU's favored over Ole Miss, an undefeated seventh-ranked team. LSU's laying two and a half. Doesn't make any sense. I can't believe I forgot to mention that game. I think I did. I'm losing my mind. LSU is in the smell test, minus two and a half against Ole Miss. Sunday, the Commanders plus four and a half, the Lions plus seven, the Jags minus three, the Browns plus seven, the Colts plus three, the 49ers plus three, the Broncos minus one, and then on Monday night, the Bears plus seven and a half. That's it for the day. Back on Monday with the full Washington Green Bay recap and the rest of the NFL and college football. Go Terps.